Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing the stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Stephanie Jabauer. With me today is Pastor Tyler Arnold. He's here to talk about what a ministry of presence means in times of suffering and how we can be there for others in their times of greatest need. He will also tell us why visits from our pastor and with our pastor should be a welcomed thing. He's recently written a book on this very topic, so he knows a thing or two about this. Pastor, welcome. Would you please introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you. Real privilege to be here. My name is Tyler Arnold, and uh, I am the pastor at Village Lutheran Church in Ladue. Before that, I was a pastor for more than 20 years in Kansas City, and uh I have been blessed to be a pastor. I always think it's the greatest job in the world because I get to tell people about Jesus and get paid for it. (laughs) So I am uh, really honored to be here with you today. I have a wife and two children. Uh, My sons are both adults. They're 25 and 22. One lives here in the St. Louis area where I live. And then the other one, he is uh, in the Marine Corps. He's a uh, Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps. He uh, is stationed in Hawaii, uh, but right now he's in California doing some training. So we always keep him in our prayers. And uh, you want to talk about life. You know, we, we think a lot about that, even in times of, uh, of peace and war. And uh, these are uh, the things that are uh, mostly pressing upon our hearts as parents, thinking about our children, especially in faraway places. But uh, I'm so honored to be here with you today, Stephanie. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor. Tell us about your book, please. My book is called Pastoral Visitation for the Care of Souls. It's in the Lexham Ministry Guides series. Uh, They're all books that are predicated upon Helsinki Biles for the Care of Souls. And so uh, there's going to be a number of other titles that are going to come out in the future. Um, I believe there are about four or five that are out now, uh, mine being one of them. Uh, I was asked by Lexham to put this together uh, for the sake of um, the care of souls, uh, for, for God's people, uh, especially pastoral guidance for visitation, but also to teach others uh, of the importance of visitation as well. So it's a conglomeration of a lot of stories that, that I put together, but also uh, other tidbits of of who we are as pastors, who I think our, our identity is really wrapped up in visitation. And um, other other little uh, maybe helpful practical things that hopefully will help guide pastors, but not only pastors, but maybe elders in the congregation, maybe uh, others who like to visit, who like to be with and around uh, God's people in their homes and visit people in their hospital rooms, wherever they may be, to kind of be a, a little bit of a primer in in the things that we do as visitors, but also give a little guidance here and there on how to do it. Most of the people who are listening are going to not be pastors. They're going to be lay people, members of congregations. So what is in the book for them? Yeah, so it is a book about pastoral visitation. However, I do spend time in the book talking about the effects and the the very blessings of having an entire congregation that visits its people. While pastors may be sort of identified as uh, in their identity of bringing Jesus uh, to the places where God's people are, whether that be uh, in their kitchen table or 
maybe suffering it at a hospital of after a surgery or before a surgery. Uh, maybe even it happens uh, in the pastor's study. But there is uh, hopefully a lot within the pages that um, a layperson can take from, that, that anyone out there who's our listeners today or those people that, that, that just have a heart to love God's people and to be present with them and to show them the kind of love that Jesus shows, because really that, that's foundational. We think about the life and times in the ministry of Jesus. He, he did so by being with people. I always call visitation a with proposition, and that's what the gospel is. The gospel of Jesus comes to be in the presence of the people and giving them a unique gift of the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. And wouldn't it be great if each and every one of us could be a conduit of that particular uh, message, that life that God gives to us? And I really think that we can. Uh, You don't have to be ordained to do it. Uh, You can be uh, somebody that just loves your neighbor. And so I hope there's a lot of that in there that people can glean from it. Well, I think there is. I myself have read your book. You have a quote in there, and I'm wondering if you coined this yourself, but a homegoing pastor makes for a church-going people. No, I didn't coin that. Uh, that's uh, an old saying. You know, it's it's one of those sayings that, you know, maybe we hear every once in a while, and it makes a lot of sense. Maybe not all the time doesn't mean that it's exactly true, but if if we think about who we are as people, we really love the company of others and to know that we're cared for. When we are able to take God's presence from the altar and pulpit on Sunday morning or within the church walls on Sunday morning and bring it to where people are at, it's really a blessed opportunity to show how much we care. And when we're coming alongside of people in in grief and despair, maybe even in their greatest times of joy, maybe maybe they're experiencing a, a baptism of a loved one or a confirmation, maybe maybe they're involved with the graduation of their son or their daughter, and and we can show how much we love and care for them by being with them in those times. It really does expand out the body of Christ. God's people, when they gather in church on Sunday mornings, are doing so in community. And it not only happens uh, in those couple of hours on Sunday morning, but how are we community throughout the rest of the week with one another too? And that's the real joy of visitation, to show others that we care, that we care about them being in the midst of the presence of God in church on Sunday morning and his marvelous gifts of forgiveness of sins. But then also, Um, how we've empowered one another to act in love the way that Christ loves us. So homegoing pastor makes a church-going people. It may not always equate one-to-one. You know, it's it's not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, an absolute, I guess you could say. But I will tell you, it really does bring community from within the walls of the church all the way to the kitchen table or the hospital room of God's people. And they appreciate it so much. They know that you care, not whether you're a pastor or a lay person, but then by virtue of that, they know that the church cares. And that's really important. Uh, that's how that's how to build the community that Christ wants us to have and to live in. Because, you know, quite frankly, we're not lone rangers in this world. And we can't be. 
we can't do this by ourselves. We know we need another. And, and yes, we need our Lord, of course. But who brings us our Lord? You know, it's it's going to be our neighbor. And, uh, you know, pastors specifically, especially when they give the means of grace. But what about those people that God has raised up within the congregation to love and to serve us? And I think those are really important points to think about. Let's back up a little bit. I'm I'm truly curious, what was it about the pastoral office that excited you or drew you into this vocation? Why did you go to seminary? Yeah, I I went to seminary because I really I really love to tell people uh, about their Lord and Savior and it's very important for me to to do that and I thought, "Hey, what better way could I do this than than uh, to be a person who's in full-time church work to do it. And uh, I loved the idea of being able to preach to God's people and to teach them uh, the Word of God. I, I, I thought about that first and foremost when I became a pastor. It really wasn't until a little bit later that I sort of adopted my love for visitation. And, and I really did that through uh, the senior pastor of the church that um, I was first called at in Kansas City. Uh, he really uh, made visitation uh, a top priority, and and he instilled in me a love for it. And uh, he would always used to say to me, uh, "The pastor that is invisible six days a week will be incomprehensible on the seventh. And he was telling me that you need to know your people so that you can preach to them the word of the law and the word of the gospel that you can teach to them what they need to know and hear. And so it all became sort of one thing for me. And um, I love the idea of being able to do that um, in a full-time way to love God and to love God's people and to show them how much God loves them. When we talk about pastoral visitation, what do you mean? Paint a picture for us. So pastoral visitation, um, I, it, visitation really is is a great thing. And we can use that as the general term for so many different things. Pastoral visitation in, in my mind, and, and I, I do want to kind of make this move from just pastors to the people of God visiting one another and creating community through that. Um, we know that you just even the pastoral office what it is, is we hear this in First Timothy that the pastoral office is uh, the, the episcope, which means he is an overseer. And that's the, the Greek word there, overseer, episcope is the word that's used there in First Timothy chapter 3. He's an overseer. Uh, now, we get a little bit of a bad impression over that word because we kind of think, oh, overseer, somebody is kind of hovering over or just a, a foreman on a job or something like that. My dad uh, was a foreman on a job, and so he would just kind of come in, make sure everybody's doing their work and leave. And that's not what a pastor is. That's not what episcopate is. The kind of overseer that God gives to us in the pastoral office comes maybe in clearer ways through the word that that's a noun. But when we use the word that is uh, the verb, which is episcopeo in the Greek, we now really see what the pastoral office is. Episcopeo means to visit. And so really what the pastoral office is in function and in essence, it is an office of visitation. 
pastors are visitors. Pastors aren't just visitors. It's not just a function of the office of the Holy Ministry. Whenever we look at the word of what a pastor is as an overseer, they are visitors. And so it encompasses who we are as pastors. And so I really think that we instill that kind of teaching within the congregation that the pastor is not the only visitor, but also one who is teaching visitation, exemplifying in, uh, visitation, and then empowering God's people to go out and to visit each other, to love each other, whatever way that that, uh, that occurs. I mean, it could be somebody going out and visiting shut-ins, or uh, it may be somebody visiting the community and saying, hey, I'd like to invite you to come to our church today. So all of these things, as you can see, I think there's a real foundation and a fundamental foundation to visitation as who the pastor is and how he teaches it and empowers his people to be visitors themselves. A while back, you used the word with, that we are embodying with others the love of Jesus. And I mean, from the the very word of how we address our Lord as Emmanuel, is God with us. He is incarnate. He came incarnate among his people in the flesh. And so pastors mimic, the people of God mimic this kind of service to to others. And so how do we draw from the life of Christ in the way that he was incarnate among people as kind of a an example for us to follow? Yeah. You know, we hear time and time again how God visited his people. And uh, we hear about that in, in the Old Testament stories about how he provided his people. I think of the very first chapter in Ruth, uh, where it said that God, God's people came and, and he visited the people. He visited Naomi and her daughters-in-law, right? So he visited and provided food. So he's providing something when he visits. Uh, or maybe we look back in the book of, of Genesis, whenever the Lord provided uh, Sarah a child. And this it says right there in the very first part of uh, Genesis chapter 21, that God visited Sarah provided a child for Sarah, and then not only provided a child, right? I mean, that's kind of what we call the first article gifts, you know, God giving his creation for our benefit. But we know that that was also a second article gift that God gave to uh, Sarah and to all of us, because what he would provide through that heir is a redeemer. So uh, what a blessed thing. So God visits his people uh, to give the things that we need whether it be uh, the sustenance for our body or the redemption for our souls. So whenever God comes, he comes in this, in this with way. You know, God comes and he visits his people. Uh, we think about the uh, Benedictus and, and we think about Zechariah whenever he spoke there at the very beginning of the Benedictus, how uh, God has uh, visited and redeemed his people. Uh, and that's that's what he's bringing onto the scene. And I, I love this because, you know, we have a God not far away, but a God with us. And, and, and this is how much he loves his creation. This is how much he loves you and me, that he would come to be a part of our story so much so that he would take on flesh and not only take on our flesh to be with us, but he would die for us. So he would even experience not only just a relationship with us to be in our presence, 
but he would experience the death that we should experience so that we don't have to. I don't know that there's any way that we could describe God being with us any better than him coming into our presence in the incarnation and to even take upon himself every one of our sins and dying with them on the cross. God is truly with us um, in, in death and life. God is truly with us in his word today through the work of the Holy Spirit. God is truly with us in his means of grace. Pastors get a blessed opportunity to be with those that he loves and bringing Christ with him and, uh, and, and uh, that they may have it and know that they have it too. And so, so do God's people. All of us know that we have uh, being tools and utensils used by God to share his holy word in, uh, in blessed, blessed times of joy and even in times of sorrow. Hmm. So on Friends for Life, we, of course, address a range of life issues from beginning of life to end of life issues and everything in between. So that includes the sufferings, the struggles of God's people, and also the, the joys of God's people and the unique joys that our life in Christ brings to us. So why would you consider this visitation, this with way to be a life issue? Yeah, I think it's really a, a life issue. I, I've had the opportunity to visit um, people with, with this on their mind and their heart uh, about life. Um, I remember back, oh, it was almost 20 years ago now, probably, uh, dating myself, <laughs> how long <laughs> I've been a pastor, even longer than that. Hmm. A woman came to me and she said, Pastor, I'm pregnant. I I don't know, don't know if I should have this baby. We talked about that in my study that day, but boy, I was not going to let her go with, with, uh, just, just leaving this as, as a simple conversation. So I called her back again the next day and I said, I, I know you're still thinking about what it is that you want to do with this pregnancy. Would you mind if I come and talk to you about it more? And I came to her house and we sat and we talked about it. And she said again, these words, I'm not so sure if I want to keep this baby. And I just asked her, I said, this baby, <laughs> those words that you're using right there, um, you're pregnant. You know, you have a baby in your womb, right? And she said, well, yeah. This, this is a child of God, loved by God, loved by you. I know this child is loved by you. Remember, this is a child of God. We talked about that for um, maybe a whole hour. Um, I continued to remain in contact with her. She decided to have that baby. I got to see that baby grow up. I, 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 got, to, I got to see that, that baby come to confirmation. I got to see that baby... Uh, receive Holy Communion, all these just wonderful things that had happened. And, and, and many times after that, she said, Pastor, thank you for visiting me. Thank you for convincing me to keep my child. It's truly one of the touching moments that I've been able to experience as a pastor. Those are, that's just one moment other moments may not specifically be about abortion or ending a pregnancy. One other instance that of, of visitation that I talk about in my book 
is I, I visited a, a girl, her name is Evie, and she's 15 years old, and she was suffering from bone cancer. Two weeks prior to my final visitation to Evie, we confirmed her with her confirmation class. She was able to come to confirmation and to be a part of the confirmation before God's people in church on Sunday. And as uh, we we talked, she, she exclaimed that she was worried because she had been very angry with God for having cancer and being so young. And uh, she was worried that God didn't love her anymore because she was so angry with him. I told Evie, God loves you no matter what. And he has loved you so much that he gave his very son for you. And you will not die, but you will live. Sure, the things of this world pass away, but what Christ gives will always live on forever in him. And we had the opportunity to take communion. It was only her second time taking communion. She was at home. The very next day, the Lord took her to be by his side. I know from, uh, from the testimony of her mother that she, she died with the peace of knowing that she was loved by God. And, um, you know, we meet God's people where they're at in times of life or life uh, of those children that we don't know yet because they're not born, uh, but life nonetheless, or we meet God's people uh, that are very young, that are near death. And of course, we meet God's people in matters of life at the end of their life when they're very old as well. That's something that I also address in the book a little bit, but is really of particular interest close to my heart as well. Yeah, and I'd like to get to that a little bit later on, but I want to touch back on a couple of things you mentioned. You have talked about a couple of scenarios where visitation is called for or needed, and that would be maybe one of crisis. Maybe you would describe the mother who was uncertain about what she would do with her pregnancy, um, Evie, at a time of death. When else would visitation be needed wanted. What are all of the different situations that you have been in that maybe you weren't even expecting when you entered into pastoral ministry? Yeah, there's a lot of situations for visitation. And of course, they all have life relations, right? I mean, what we're trying to do is to gather God's people as the body of Christ to show that uh, the true life that he has given to us and his son Jesus is uh, for us, that this is, this is the blessing for us. Uh, visitation comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Uh, you know, I've made those kind of cold calls, you know, the ones that you go out and you go into the community and you knock on the door and say, hey, this is who I am. This mm. is where I'm from. I'd love to have you in church on Sunday and I'd love to meet you there. Would you come? So we have those those kind of evangelism type of calls, of course, and those relate to life very much so because we're concerned about their eternal life. We don't know whether or not that person knows Jesus or not. And then, of course, uh, I've made uh, follow-up visitations on people that have come to our church. They came to our church for a particular reason. Maybe they were invited. Maybe they're church shopping, quote-unquote. We hear about that all the time. I want to connect with them also to show that I care. I care for them. I care for their family. 
And I would love to have them back and to tell them more about this great place that I serve and uh, the community that can surround them or, or love on them and show them that uh, they, they are truly uh, people who are, who are loved and cared for. Then, of course, there are other situations like shut-in calls, people that cannot come to church for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they're not capable anymore. Maybe they, uh, maybe they are, are often too ill to attend. Uh, maybe they can't drive. Whatever it may be, those are times whenever God's people are put into service. I say in the book a couple of times, we are God's foot soldiers. We're, we're called into duty to come and to bring God's word and his holy sacraments, especially with regard to pastors, and to bring uh, his word of, of law and gospel, wherever that may apply. I have oftentimes made sure to pay most attention to those in our congregation that are going through particular times of despair and disorder in their life. Uh, some disorder occurs when, when families are broken apart. Uh, some disorder occurs when somebody, a loved one, dies. Uh, there's disorder and, and despair that is all kinds in this world because we know that we live in this fallen world. And so, again, God's foot soldiers are called into action to come alongside of his people, uh, to love on them, show them the love of Jesus. Again, this is the community that Christ has given to us in the church that extends out beyond the walls of whatever church that we serve, whatever church we attend. And, uh, and so all of these are, are blessed opportunities to, again, support the love and the life that God has given to us through the person and work of his son, Jesus Christ. You have talked about the mutual benefits of the person visiting and the person being visited. So whether that's the pastor visiting or whether that's another congregational member visiting, what are the benefits on each side for both the visitor and the one receiving? I love that question, Stephanie. I really do, because I really think that there is a benefit for the visitor himself, uh, herself, when she comes alongside of somebody else. And I think of this most explicitly when we get into the sharing of stories. I, I've heard a lot of different stories and life stories of people when when sitting in their living room. And, and, and I love to hear them. I love to hear who they are and what they're all about, what makes them tick. I want to hear about their family and those kinds of people that have been involved in their life that have made them who they are. Uh, I want to know about their upbringing. I want to know about what they did for a living or the raising of children or whatever it is that this world has has done or they've been involved with that has affected them in one way or another. I think visitors then sometimes are also able to have uh, this opportunity to tell stories as well. I always caution pastors to not you know, be such active storytellers of themselves because I, I really think that the key for visitation uh, especially pastoral visitation is listening. It's very important to listen and to understand uh, who it is that you're visiting, to know uh, what it is that we may be addressing when we're talking about the, the, the diagnosis of spiritual maladies so that we can apply law gospel in a particular way. But sometimes it gives the, 
the one who is being visited an opportunity to know a little bit about the person that loves and cares about them so much. Again, I think this is community building in a lot of ways. I think this gives us an opportunity uh, to understand who we are as a family. So in the midst of, uh, of conversation, we get to know stories, we get to know about each other. And really, this is very indicative, very indicative of the way that God speaks to us, right? I mean, we get to know his story and we could tell him our story in prayer. It's, it's very liturgical in that way. You know, uh, the divine service, God comes to us. And yet there is action in the divine service of us as people who are placing our petitions upon uh, the ears of God when we need something, uh, when we call upon him to act into our lives. The, the hearing and the receiving and the, the telling of stories really can be beneficial for both the person who's being visited and also the visitor himself. Again, you know, it builds up the community in this way. A lot of benefits there. If anyone just stops to to think of this for themselves in a, a a real world scenario, maybe you've been out to coffee with a friend and they just take time to listen to you, to listen to your bad day or the exciting news that you uh, just received, whatever it may be. The fact that someone is listening to you and they're receiving what you're saying, maybe not even reflecting back, simply simply listening and, and absorbing. Uh, you have said, which I think is is really compelling, being listened to makes the storyteller feel more human. It humanizes the person who's telling the story, who's sharing the news, who's telling about the hurt or the suffering that they've experienced in their lives. It, it humanizes us to put into words what we're living out. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Painting a picture for somebody else about the things that we're going through, the things that we've encountered uh, really does sort of color in the lines of our life a little bit. And we want to share those things. I think people really have an insatiable desire to share their story with others. I, I've noticed this, especially just as a pastor with uh, those who who are you know older people in our congregation, they, they love to do this even more than the younger people do because they do have a lot of wisdom, a lot of things to say because they've experienced a lot of things and it, and it's great. I love it and, and this really helps them uh, to know that that somebody really cares about them, uh, loves them. It really makes them feel as if they matter and. Feeling like you matter makes you feel more human. You talk, especially toward the end of your book, about your care for, your love for people nearing life's end, people with memory loss and dementia. And I really can't think of a, a, a different kind of scenario or situation where that phrase that you just said rings more true. Tell us about your experience with visiting people with memory loss, how disorienting that must be for them, and then the power of telling their story and listening as you visit enlivens them, brings them to life, and how you also remind them of the life that they have in Jesus. Visiting people with Alzheimer's or dementia, I, I really love it. And maybe that's a strange thing to say, or maybe pastors don't necessarily 
care for that kind of ministry as much. There's very little interaction uh, sometimes because they're, they're not even really sure who you are. And this gives us an opportunity as pastors, I think, to really drive home for them the things that are the most important. People with cognitive dysfunction, and especially those who have a progressive progressive cognitive depletion, like people with uh, Alzheimer's and, and dementia, you know, they, they won't be able to think of the simplest things, but they'll be able to recite the things that they've known by heart uh, for so many different for, for so long, for, for their entire life, things like the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this actually just happened to me earlier this week. It's It, it was amazing. I, I visited a lady who, you know, she couldn't tell me my name. Uh, I visited her many different times. She couldn't even remember what church I was from. She knew that she was Lutheran. Uh, she knew what I was there for to give her communion. And she couldn't even recall the name of her her children. Uh, though she could recall where they lived, but couldn't remember which one lived where. Uh, and there was so much that she admittedly said, I just can't remember anymore. And she could she could tell me it like that. She's 97 years old. Blessed lady. Uh, but whenever we started with the divine service to have Holy Communion together, she was able to recite from memory every single one of its parts because those ritual parts for people with dementia and Alzheimer's remains, and it remains to the to the very end a lot of times. This gives us an opportunity as pastors or visitors. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be pastors who visit people with some kind of progressive cognitive depletion like Alzheimer's or dementia to continue to go back to what they know for sure. So the stories in the Bible are things that they know and remember. And we can repeat these things and recite them. Uh, we can talk about all of these uh, wonderful things that have been a part of their narrative for so long, even though they can't remember the most simplest parts of their narrative. They can recall those things that they have heard, recited, whatever it may be, in a ritual way. And, uh, and it's, it's a blessed thing because it really makes them feel like that they're a part of something. Even the ones that I have visited that have said to me, you know, I'm so frustrated. I can't remember anything. I don't even remember your name. I don't remember your wife's name. And you can even just begin to start seeing uh, the frustration on their face. And even as much as you try to say, it's okay. It's okay. It, it it doesn't matter if you remember my name. Uh, and, and the more that you smile, the more that you treat them like they're human, that they're real, then what you can do is, you know, go on beyond yourself and, and start talking about the blessed things that they have in hope of and 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 knowledge from from way back. And in and, and, and a lot of that times is things like the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed, and they're still able to say it and and know it. And and, and it becomes a true blessing for them because, because then they're participating with you. And, and when they can do that, then they feel more human. When they can do that, they can feel like they're a part of something. And to be a part of something is to feel human, like, like you belong. And it gives you a purpose, and and it gives you it gives you a a certain 
a certain status, I guess you could say, you know, I, 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 I am this person who knows and, and I am with you in this. And, and it's, it's just kind of such a, such a kind of a blessed thing in that way too. Yeah. Well, drawing another back into the community, back where they belong, into the fold, into the people of God. You know, my husband is a pastor and I remember at our previous call, he would make a visit every week to a really dear woman who her memory loss was getting progressively worse and worse. He visited her on the same day every week. She would literally tell him the same story every time he visited. My husband gave her the gift of listening to the same story every single time he visited. I can't think of a New Testament book that more clearly states how our story is folded into the story of Christ, other than Philippians, which mentioning that Christ himself took on human flesh, who being in the very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he lowered himself. He went through as our suffering servant, and he enveloped us through baptism into this story so that our story, which really is a vapor, it's but a breath, we're here today and gone tomorrow, but our story is part of this larger story that lives on into eternity, and that is a God who visited with us, who came to redeem us, and who takes us on. And we're with the people of God forevermore. And so the kind of community building, like you had said, that happens when we share stories, when we visit with each other, when we have this ministry of presence with one another, um, where we care for each other through sitting, through lamenting together, through experiencing the joys with another person. Uh, This is sharing the love of Jesus. So whether it be you as a, a pastor bringing word and sacrament, whether it be um, a friend from you know your church going and visiting you when you're homebound or um, when you're in the hospital for surgery, whatever it may be, we have the opportunity to to become incarnate to share the love of Jesus. This matters because this is part of a bigger story. What a beautiful thing. Pastor, what have you learned about God's love for people through your care for them? What do you learn about God's care for us? Yeah, so caring for people with dementia and Alzheimer's is um, important for me because I, I see this world around us that sort of dehumanizes people with cognitive depletions like like people with Alzheimer's or dementia. And uh, it, it really does it, it really does bother me. This world puts value to those who are economically helpful to the greater good of society, you know, and what, what value then do we give to people who have a a lower ability to contribute to society? Uh, We see this with uh, the very young, right? I mean, they, they have lower intrinsic value because they don't, they don't contribute to society. Not like a person who can, can help somebody who can, who, who can dig ditches for, for cable to run through or write law for a particular bill that's being brought before Congress. We look at people, we see people, uh, you know, through their economic value. And oftentimes people with dementia and Alzheimer's are people who, who, who aren't, who are seen as drains on society. They, they are taking up society's resources, nurses, 
doctors. They are drains uh, to the healthcare system. Insurance premiums are high because uh, we maintain uh, life for people who are uneconomic, who uh, cannot cognitively contribute uh, to greater society any longer. And so because society has casted them off, treated them as unhuman, if you will, I think it's more important for me and important for us as the church uh, to come alongside of these people to not only advocate for them, but to treat them like they deserve to be treated, human, loved by God, people who bear the image of Christ themselves. We're going to treat people who have cognitive depletions or children that are very small in the mother's womb or, you know, outside of the mother's womb, just as we would treat our Lord or anyone else, because these are image bearers of Christ. This is Christ that we visit. Um, we get this sense in the book of Matthew, whenever Jesus tells uh, his uh, disciples about, um, you know, whenever whenever you visited one of these in prison who were sick, you visited me. And uh, and the disciples, if you remember, they would say, oh, you know, when did we when did we visit you during these times? We, we didn't visit you. I, I, I don't remember visiting you when you were in jail, whenever you were sick these kinds of things. And he said, Jesus said, no, whenever I was these, whenever you visited one of these who were like that, you were visiting me. You know, as visitors, we not only bring Jesus, but this is kind of weird to say it this way, but it's actually true. We visit Jesus because these are people who are image bearers of Christ. So the uneconomic, the drain on society, uh, the very young who cannot contribute to society, or the very old who have cognitive depletions and uh, all they are is, is just existing. These people are the people who matter to Christ, and so they should matter to the church. These people are image bearers of Christ, and so they should matter to us. Uh, we love them. We care for them from the very beginning of life to the very end. Uh, no matter how their mental state happens to be, our world does not want to attribute value to them but Christ surely does. And because Christ attributes value to them, so should we. Mm. We should love them as Christ loves them. That's what we're called to do. Pastor, we touched on a lot of things in the short amount of time, but if there's one thing that you want listeners to take away from our time together, what's the most important thing to you? I think that the most important thing that I would like for your listeners to know or consider is just how valuable it is to have somebody who can share with us in our times of need can actually be being a, a visitor sometimes may be an unpleasant task, especially if you're going to be confronted with a lot of, I guess, sometimes heavy or dark or troubling things when it comes from somebody else. But the value that you bring as a listener to someone who needs to share their story and just to receive comfort. And I want listeners to know also that as they become visitors in these situations, you don't have to have some kind of curative word that is going to make things all better. Pastors are not called to dispel suffering. Pastors are called to enter into suffering and to listen to it 
with those that they visit. I think that's what we can all do. We can enter into these moments of despair, of shame, of hurt uh, with others and be the embodiment of Christ by simply being there to share with them, to let them know that Jesus is the one who's also with them always to the very end of the age and that he's put us into action uh, to be that kind of person for for others in, in their times of need too. It's an extraordinary way to bring God uh, to others by being there with them and for them and to show them that they are loved, they truly matter, and that most of all, God loves them more than anything. In our digital age where the temptation is great for us to become more and more isolated because communication is via phone or email or whatever it may be, let's remember really the basis of care for others, which is in person, care for others, which is going to them, being with them in the flesh, which is really a gift that we can give others and that we can receive from others um, in our time too. Pastor, thank you so much for joining me today. You're very welcome. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. New episodes drop twice each month. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Friends for Life LCMS. And finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. Do you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear from or a topic you want talked about? Email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. We want to hear from you about what you want to hear about when it comes to issues of life. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life.